Well, good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? We doing okay? It's good to see you all. Yeah. Let's have you stand if you would. We got a new song for you. I think you're going to recognize what text it comes from. It goes like this. Come all you weary. Come all you thirsty. Come to the well that never
bring all your failures, bring your addictions, come lay them down at the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting, God so loved the world. Isn't that good? Amen. I love that text. Well, we've got an announcement now from Pastor Pete. Go ahead and take your seats. Good morning, church. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning. And if you're a first-time guest, I just want to say thank you for joining us this morning. We are so glad that you were here. And I want to just take a quick time to kind of make an announcement. In May, traditionally, we have what we call missions focus. And it's a time where, as we're getting ready to head into the summer months, we would begin to present some of the missions, opportunities, and ministry partners that we work with in the summertime. And and believe it or not, um, all of our partners are beginning to kind of get things in order to be able to continue their ministries this summer. And so each Sunday through the month of May, we're going to take just a short time, a short break in our worship to be able to kind of reintroduce you to some of our friends and let you know what they're working on and how you might be able, if you feel led, to participate with them in missions work here in Salem and in different areas. And so this morning, I'm really excited to welcome up some friends, the Ross family. So if you guys would come on up, and we're going to be highlighting the Agape Families Camp that happens every summer. So why don't we give the Ross family a hand? So Agape Families is something that we've been working with for many, many years, and the Rosses have served in the camp. And so I'm just going to have Dave here. Dr. Dave's going to share a little bit about what Agape is, because you might not know what that is if you're new to us, and what camp is about. And then we're going to show you a little video of the difference it can make in the lives of those kids. So Dr. Dave. Thanks, Pastor Pete. So if you don't know us, I'm David Ross. This is my wife, Sherry. This is one of our kids, Jacob. And uh, we've been serving now for about five years in the Agape ministry. So for those of you who have not heard of the Agape Ministries, it's a camp and a program that is designed to take uh, kids who have a parent or a significant individual in their life who's been incarcerated and send them uh, to camp and then allow them just to be there and to minister to them and show them the love of Christ. There was uh, about five years ago, uh, it, it, there was camps in Eugene. They decided to come to Salem. They had some interest, and so they uh, came up to our church, among other churches in the area, and they said, hey, we would like to present this to you, congregation, and see if you guys want to come up and support us. And so we came alongside them, and the, it, was a, it was a Sunday morning just like something like this, and my wife stepped out in obedience and signed up for um, for that. So yeah, you can see where that's going, right? And so I'm already involved in a couple of other ministry activities and serving and, you know, I'm working full time running a business and, hey, I don't have time. I don't want to give up a whole weekend, right? And so the first week, uh, the first camp, I volunteered for a Saturday just to go out and do some activities. And uh, I got to see just in a short window of what was going on at camp. So the next year came along and uh, they said, we're desperate for men. We need men in the camp uh, to be camp, uh, uh, camp hosts and um, camp leaders. And so I said, okay, I'm going to, I still don't want to do this, right? There's the whole weekend, but I'm going to, uh, out of obedience to you, Lord, for doing what you've done for me, I'm going to step out in faith. And so Jacob decided then that he would do that as well with me. And so we got an, a serve as a family then. 
And so it is not an easy camp. You are uh, there with kids who have behavioral issues, who, um, you know, they've got the struggles of any young person growing up, but they've also got a struggle in their hearts because they've got some things going on and some, uh, some hurt that's, that's there. And so uh, as camp's going along, we get this one boy in our camp the first year, and he's got um, language that would be best suited for a locker room of 28-year-old men. And... Um, He's also got some behavioral issues. In fact, at one dinner time, he took a plate of food and threw it across the room. Uh, he was a runner, and Jacob spent most of that first camp chasing him and bringing him back to the uh, group because he had no attention. And so he was a real challenge. His name was Lucas. And Lucas um, was my kind of bane. You know, I wanted to just throttle the kid as a dad who has discipline in the house. And so, But we're not there to discipline them. So I'll try to make this... Um, this short. So uh, Wake the World partners with our camp and they came in Saturday and put these kids on boats and we have a time where we get on the bus and we go out to the Foster Lake to meet them. And uh, so that day I get on the bus and it's like, Lord, I just need a break from Lucas. But God, God saw that there was only one place for me to be and the only seat available was right next to Lucas. So I got to spend an hour talking with Lucas, and I got to share the gospel with him, and I got to find out that his dad's in prison and his mom was a junkie on the street. And at his school, he sometimes spends time in restraint. Um, and there's a lot of hurt in this young boy's life. And about halfway through that trip, Lucas takes my arm and just leans into me, and he takes his, my arm and he just puts it around my, his shoulder and leans into me. And he said, I like you, David. That melted my heart, and it told me I needed to be just at that moment for him to show the love of Christ into this boy's life. It was impactful, I th hopefully for Lucas. I, uh, he hasn't been back to camp, but it was in particularly impactful in my life. Um, and so it, it, I, we've been back ever, every year since. Um, it's still a challenge. Not all the kids are like Lucas. There's some, you know, pretty behaved kids, and there's, uh, it's not all of that, but it's not a super easy camp. You leave tired. So I would encourage you, particularly men, because we need men in the camp for these kids, if you don't have a desire to serve, just do it out of obedience for what God has done in your life because God will use that obedience from your heart and he'll equip you the way that he needs to equip you, and he'll change your life as you step out and serve. And so as God the Father's adopted us as his child, he wants us to show the love for these kids. So I would encourage you to take the opportunity and consider serving in the Agape camp. Can we thank them for that testimony? You guys can So Agape has had to pivot over the last year uh, with different restrictions. They did actually have a camp last year for kids. It, it's out at Aldersgate and Turner. They're going to be doing it again this year for kids all over our area who have at least one parent incarcerated. It's an amazing time, and they are looking for people to come out and just serve. There's lots of different ways. There's, there's people who are going to work with the kids more directly. There's people who are just going to serve in the kitchen, serving meals and getting ready together. But it's a great opportunity. So if the Lord's starting to stir you, perhaps, how you might get involved, you want to begin to be that missional thing again, where you're getting out and serving people outside of your comfort zone. This is an opportunity here locally for you to make a real difference in the life of kids who are hurting, just like Lucas. 
And so we're thankful for the Ross family. Uh, out in our missions wall, which is right out our main entrance, uh, we're going to have the Rosses there. We also have Andy, who's here with Agape Families, giving an announcement up in the chapel this morning. They're going to be here after service. And if you want to learn more about what, how they might be able to use you, uh, when the dates are for camp and that kind of thing, they would love to meet you after the service and give you that information. So thank you for listening to that. We're, we're excited to share more of these ministry opportunities and just let you know that God is not limited by a pandemic. He is continuing to do ministry. He's continuing to meet those needs of all the hurting people, and he wants to continue to use Salem Heights Church to be his hands and feet in this season. So thank you for listening. Let's direct our time back to worship. Nations, and he's seated on his holy throne for the nobles and the nations assemble as the people of God of Abraham. For the kings of the earth belong to God, and he is greatly exalted. Let's have you stand as we sing these words. You're seated on the throne of mercy. Your glory shining bright for all to God, I will praise you. Magnificent with grace unending. You rescue us with love that never fails. Oh God, I will praise you. And who is like the Lord, the strong in battle? Who is like the Lord, mighty to save? And who is like the Lord, his King forever? His Jesus reigns, and Jesus reigns. I know that you are always with me. Your presence goes before and goes behind. Oh God, I will praise you. Who is like the Lord is strong in battle. And who is like the Lord, the mighty to save. And who is like the Lord, King forever, it's Jesus reigns, it's Jesus reigns, and who is like the Lord, is strong in battle, and who is like the Lord, no one, the mighty to save, and who is like the Lord, is King forever, it's Jesus reigns, oh Jesus reigns. all the earth, you reign in all the heavens, you're holy, you're seated on the throne, nothing can stand against you, you're holy, yeah, yeah, 
reign in all the earth, you reign in all the heavens, you're holy, yeah, yeah, you're seated on the throne, nothing can stand against you, Lord, who is like the Lord, is strong in battle, right here, who is like the Lord, yeah, mighty to save. And who is like the Lord, the King forever? Jesus reigns, Jesus reigns. And who is like the Lord, the strong in battle? And who is like the Lord, who's mighty to save? Yeah, yes, who is like the Lord, the King forever? Jesus reigns. Jesus reigns, yeah, yeah. You reign in all the earth. You reign in all the heavens. You're holy, yeah, yeah. You're seated on the throne. Nothing can stand against you. You're holy, yeah. You reign in all the earth. God is son, not sparing, sin 
him to die. I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art, then sing to my home to be with him forever and there will be no more sorrow there no more pain no more tears he will wipe them from our eyes it is a day to be anticipated by all christians why don't you listen as dave sings this when christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me what joy shall fill my heart then i shall bow in humble
your seats. First Peter 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt. We respond with this chorus in praise of Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit in three and one. Is God of glory and majesty and praise forever to the King of kings. To reveal the kingdom coming and to reconcile the lost, redeem the whole creation. You did not despise the cross, for even in your suffering, you saw to the other side, knowing this was our salvation, Jesus, for I say to die. And praise the His praise the Son. It brings the spirit, it's three in one, and God of love and majesty, it's praise forever to the King of kings. In the morning that you rose, all of heaven spread till the stone was moved for good for the lamb that conquered death and the dead rose from their tombs and the angels stood in awe for the souls of all who come to the Father are restored and the church of Christ was born then the spirit lit the flame now this gospel to the world shall not fail, shall not fail. By his blood, in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me.
Back, sing that chorus again. Praise the Father. His praise a Father. His praise a Son. Praise a Spirit. His three in one. His God of glory, majesty, and praise forever. Father, you deserve every bit of praise today. And we are thankful that you loved us enough to send your son. We're thankful for the gift of salvation. You set right what was wronged in the garden. And we're so thankful for that benefit. We're thankful that we know one day we are going to spend eternity with you. It's going to be an an incredible, indescribable thing to see your, your son face to face one day. God, but you have us here for a purpose now. So I would pray that you'd help us to fulfill it. You've given all of us different circles and different uh, spheres of influence to walk in. God, I would pray that you would help us to use that, to be ambassadors, to lay aside ourselves, lay aside our fear and walk in faith and in love and help us to see people the way that you see them because we know that 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 will help us to reach out beyond ourselves. It'll help us, uh, it'll help give us um, courage in moments where we are weak. We know that your word says you will make us strong. So I pray that you'd help us to have our eyes up, help us to know how to minister to people in these days. Um, it is a very, very uh, quickly changing environment we are in. And so God, we know people are looking for answers. And so God, may they find them from us. We pray that you'd help us now to hear from your word because we know that it'll change our hearts and our lives. In Christ's precious name, we pray all these things and God's people said, amen. Go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) You don't have to be timid. It's hard, isn't it? Do you clap like that in your living room when it really goes that well in worship? It's hard to have the same enthusiasm. I'm so glad to see you guys this morning. I want you to turn to Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 20, and uh, we're going to be looking at the resume of a Christian leader. We do have so many amazing things uh, happening. I pray that uh, you heard with Camp Agape um, not just what was going on, but maybe Perhaps even in the room, you heard an invitation in your own heart as the Spirit of God was telling you that you need to go out and participate in the same way. Help with that that effort that's so useful. You know, we have folks that are doing all kinds of incredible things. Um, One person had coined it the the Army of the Anonymous. Um, But we have some amazing things that are happening in our midst. Just this last week, if you were looking at Facebook, our Be Bold guys had an opportunity to get invited into prisons. Uh, They had 60 men and eight women give their life to Christ in Florida in those prisons. 
They even had responses uh, from guys in uh, the Aryan Nation and the Mexican Mafia. 38 of those folks were bold enough to be baptized back in that same place, and the warden had given them uh, access to all of those folks. But uh, we need to be praying that all the news that we listen to during the course of the week wouldn't be negative news, right? God is still at work. Um, as we tackle Acts chapter 20, I want to introduce you to somebody, Donnie Dunnigan. Just a uh, tough-looking dude right there. Doesn't he uh, look like a, he should be on the Marine poster? Uh, in fact, I think he might have been one of the fastest guys uh, to rise up in the ranks in the Marines. He fought during Viet, uh, Vietnam. Actually, uh, 13 promotions in 21 years. Uh, took uh, shots, was shot in the leg, uh, had multiple uh, awards for some kind of valor where he had saved men in the midst of battle, uh, had incredible amount of courage uh, at the end of the war there and all the way through his final years was a commander. And so here is this commander, Marine, warrior, but he had a secret because he thought that if you knew something about him, it would completely change your view of him. And he was concerned about it all of his military career. And it finally came out at the end of his military career. In the final months, just before he left, men discovered something about him that completely changed their opinion of who he was. In 1942, when this guy was just a, a little boy, he was chosen to be the voice of Bambi. So whenever you see that picture, think of that voice, skating on the ice, trying to help his mommy. Oh, what a sad, sad little boy. No wonder he got angry and went to war, right? No, here he was, the voice of Bambi, and he thought with just one phrase, with one, just one little perspective, you would not give him an opportunity to tell you about his time in the Marines. I believe that uh, Paul is calling together a group of people in Acts chapter 20, and he is reminding them, you need to stand up to your calling. He calls uh, this group of people three different times. He calls them elders, he calls them overseers, he calls them shepherds, but what they are are leaders in the church, and his concern is once people found out that they were leaders in the church, it would change their perspective of who they are. So he's giving this group of people a challenge. You live up to your calling. Let God take care of what people think about you. Amen? That's what he's asking them to do. So I want to give you a definition of a leader that will, I think, apply no matter who you are in the room. You might be here and you're a visitor and you're wondering what is this Christian uh, life all about. You might be here and, and be a long-time believer, but you will agree with this phrase for a Christian leader, okay? Sucker. <laughs> Old English term, S-U-C-C-O-R. What, what did you think I meant? Sucker, that is someone who runs to give assistance and support in time of need or a reinforcement of troops during a hard battle. But it also means, in our vernacular, someone who is easily duped. Depending on your perspective, looking at the scriptures, you may have one or the other definition in mind when you think of a Christian leader. Paul says, live up to your calling and let that be the definition of who you are. Acts chapter 20. 
This is his call to leaders in Miletus. Let's stand as we read, starting with verse 17. It says, Now from Miletus he sent to the Ephesians and summoned the elders of the church. And when they came to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears, during trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. And you know that I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable. Or from teaching you publicly and from house to house, I testified to the Jews and the Greeks about the repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I'll encounter there, except in every town the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. But I consider my life of no value to myself. My purpose is to finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. And now I know that none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Imagine that. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you, because I did not avoid to declare to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up, even from your own number, and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for three years, I never stopped warning each of you with tears. And now, I commit you to God. And to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself and those who are with me. In every way I've shown you that it's necessary to help the weak by laboring like this and remember the words of the Lord Jesus because he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. After he said this, he knelt down and he prayed with all of them. There were many tears shed by everyone. They embraced Paul. They kissed him, grieving most of all over his statement that they would never see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. Do you believe that actually happened? It did. You may be seated. Father, as we look at this passage, I pray you'd open our eyes. First of all, to the truth of what's in here. Uh, This actually happened. These words were spoken, and they were a challenge to a group of men in that season, but it was intended for us to read that we would take the principles from those and apply them in our own church. Father, help us to see these, to apply them, and change our direction, focusing on you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm uh, intending this morning to use an acronym here. An acronym, uh, you've heard of that. You could, uh, I read about one acronym here from vocabulary.com. They said, uh, please join SPLAT, the Student Parachuting League and Aerial Team. 
An acronym just takes that first letter of each word and puts that in order for us. And we're going to outline this passage today under that word, sucker, which means, I think that name, by the way, it will stick in your mind. That's why I picked it. To run to somebody's aid, and the S in sucker is servant's heart. He says this, that uh, you know from the first day that I set foot in Asia how I was with you the whole time. Now imagine somebody of significance, preeminent, saying, I didn't spend all my time separated. I didn't make you come to me. I was with you the entire time, serving the Lord with all humility, with tears during the trials that came to me due to the plot of the Jews. Humility and tears, these are words that are badges of honor within the Christian community, but at that time, they were not badges of honor uh, among the Gentiles. If you were a Roman leader, if you were a Greek leader, when you heard that term humility, according to your philosophers, according to your ethic in that day, actually you needed to be strong, you needed to show that you had a spine, you needed to show that you could uh, attack the enemy and take them on, that you were not concerned about what they thought of you or any of these things. In fact, you didn't serve, you led with a stoic firm resolve. It was all about backbone. It was all about strength. And in fact, the way that you engaged with other people. But Paul says, instead of that, he said, I led like Jesus has called us to lead. I walked with you. I wept with you. I yielded to humility. I humbled myself. Jesus washed his men's feet on the night that he was betrayed. How would I be higher than that? He said, I walked with humility laying aside the expectations that I could have as a leader. And he said, and I did it with tears. Why is that important? Because for you and I to connect with other people, there needs to be something beyond edicts. Amen? He says, I was emotionally connected to every single one of you. When you wept, I wept. When I saw the direction you were going, I was concerned. When you were hurting in your family or hurting because of life choices, when you were hurting because of circumstances in the world, my heart broke with yours. And he said, I did this in good and bad. It didn't matter what season. He had a servant's heart. But also, he says, I had an undiluted message. He says, I did not avoid proclaiming to you anything that was profitable or from teaching you publicly from house to house. He said, I testified both to Jews and Greeks about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus. Um, An undiluted message is a super important thing. He says, I did not shrink back from telling you anything that was profitable. Do you notice that he doesn't say, I did not shrink back from telling you anything that is positive. Do you think that the only things that we need to hear out of Scripture are positive? It is a positive thing that you are forgiven, amen? But the reason that's a positive thing, because Scripture also points out that you do some wretched things that you need to be forgiven of. There's a way that we think, a way that we act that actually points our feet toward hell, not heaven. There are consequences for our actions that can destroy us. And he says that powerful word, forgiveness, is an answer to a a profound and a disturbing truth that we are sinners. Scripture tells us what is profitable. It tells us about the poison and the cure. 
It tells us about the reality of the world and our hearts that constantly are going the wrong direction against God. And it is pushing us the right direction. That is the profitable word. The key is, he says, about repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Two key themes in Scripture that if we neglect those, we have failed our people. Repentance means that I have turned around from going one direction and now I am face to face with God. Every single one of us, if we are believers, have experienced repentance. If you are a growing believer today, you have repented in this last year, in this last month. If you're a growing believer, you have repented in this last week. You have seen how your heart and your desires turn naturally away from the direction of God, and you've looked at the Lord and said, Lord, forgive me for thinking that way or doing those things. But the focus is not on us. It's not on our experience. It's on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on the way, the truth, and the life. You may not know this, but this area was settled by a man named Jason Lee. He was a real looker. Here's this guy that uh, comes over to this area, um, and many of you may not know the story of what actually drove him to Oregon. He was a pastor. He was somebody who had been compelled by the Spirit to go and tell the good news to folks. But there was a, uh, an Indian dispatch that had showed up at a, an outpost, uh, a man by the, two men, actually, rabbit skin leggings, and man with no horns. This is an, uh, a painting of rabbit skin leggings. Um, I, I think they just basically, you know, the, the guys were saying we're in desperate need of some truth. And the two nicest guys in the wigwam are rabbit skin leggings and man with no horns. You can just sit by that guy and you get this fuzzy feeling, right? And man with no horns just never agitates. Let's send our two nicest guys to the outpost. But what had happened? They had had an encounter with a man by the name of Jedediah Smith, who when he had come there, instead of always trying to take, trade up, take away their goods without giving them very much, instead of being abusive, instead of uh, drinking and carousing and harming the people that he was around, he instead said that he got his ethic and the reason that he treated them with kindness from a book, a book about heaven. And he told them about Christ. He told them that there is a way to guarantee that you would be in heaven. And they had interacted with this man, and they were so hungry, they said, our eyes only have a little bit of light. But we have found out that there is a book that will give us all of the light, that will tell us the way to heaven. So they go to this outpost, and they ask, can we please have the book of heaven? Well, when they figured out through an interpreter what they were actually looking for, the men in the camp were really excited. They, they said, well, sit down. We're going to tell you some stories out of the book of heaven. And they began to tell them stories about Jesus. They told them the story about Jonah. They told them the story uh, about uh, the disciples. They told them stories night after night. And each night they would say, well, great father, thank you for telling us these stories. But can we have the book? And at the end of a few months, finally, it was time for them to go back. They had traveled for months to be able to get to this outpost. The men at the camp had actually loaded up a wagon full of supplies for them. It sent them back with lots of goods, all of these things, but they did not give them a Bible. Rabbit skin leggings, through an interpreter, sent a letter to those people, and he said this. We come to you from a trail of many moons, from 
the setting sun. We come to you with eyes partly open for more light for our people who sit in darkness. We made our way to you with strong arms though many enemy, through many enemies and strange lands. The two fathers who came with us, braves of many winters, we leave them to sleep here by your great wigwam. They were tired in their journey of many moons. Their moccasins were worn out. Our people sent us to get the white man's book of heaven. You've made our feet heavy with burdens of gifts. Our moccasins will grow old with carrying them, but the book is not among them. We're going back over the long, sad trail to our people. When we tell them in our council, after one more snow, that we did not bring the book, no word will be spoken by our old men or by our young braves. One by one, they will rise up and go out in silence. Our people will die in darkness. They will not go on the long path to other hunting grounds. No white man will go with them. No book of heaven will make their way plain. We have no more words. Farewell. And with their heads hung low, they made their way back towards this territory. Now that letter was printed, and Jason Lee read it. And when he read that the book of heaven did not go with them and that nobody went to tell them about Jesus, he fell on his knees as a young man, and he said, Lord, who would go? Send somebody, and he felt the Spirit of God stir him, saying, you go. And that's how Oregon got started. When's the last time that you were stirred to share? Did you give the person that God was stirring you to share the gospel with a diluted message? Did you weigh them down with gifts, with kind words, with nice affections, but leave them without the truth that would point them to heaven? Paul says, I've told you every single time what is profitable and what is right, and I showed you the truth about Jesus. He had a servant's heart. He had an undiluted message, but also he was compelled by the Spirit. Listen to what it says here. And now I am on my way to Jerusalem... That very word, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I will encounter there, except that in every town, the Holy Spirit warns me that chains and afflictions are waiting for me. It's a pretty important thing, compelled by the Spirit. We've talked about this before. It's just, it's not that Paul was uh, so prone to hardness. It's not that he was just a tough guy and standing up, but his agitation came from his deep love for the Lord and his deep love then for the Lord's family, for God's people. And he was compelled, he was bound is the literal phrasing there. I am bound in my spirit. I cannot do anything else other than this. If you talk to somebody who is newly engaged, Many of you have, right? In this season, we've had some folks that have gotten engaged. They've gotten married. You talk to somebody who has just gotten engaged, and they say, my heart is bound to that individual. And as kind folks always do, right, they share. It's just like with moms at three to nine months, right? Every person that comes up to them doesn't tell them how wonderful the first years of childhood are. Oh, it's going to be a wreck. You're never going to get any sleep, right? They tell you all the terrifying things. By the way, stop that. 
Tell them positive things in that season. It's already hard enough. But here is a young couple, and they're in love, and, and people come up to them, and they begin to say, oh, it's going to be so hard. That first year is really tough. You've got to get adjusted to each other. You have somebody that doesn't think your way. It's going to have all this tr- trouble. And you know what they say in their heart? My heart is bound to that person. I, I know I've heard those things, but not only am I willing to go through them, I'm eager to go through them because I am bound to them in my spirit. I am bound. My heart is bound. You can't get me to be deterred. I won't. Step away from this direction. Paul is using that same kind of phrasing. He says, the Spirit of God had even revealed to him, you're going to go through hardship. And he says, but Lord, I'm doing this for you. On your behalf, you are worthy. I'm willing. He was compelled by the Spirit. Servant's heart, undiluted message, compelled by the Spirit. But there's another part of Paul's resume that I think has value. And that is that he had a clear conscience. He says, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, compelled by the Spirit, not knowing what I'll encounter there, except the Holy Spirit warns me, chains and afflictions are waiting for me. That's verse 23. Verse 25, and now I know none of you among whom I went about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. Therefore, I declare to you this day I'm innocent of the blood of all of you. I did not avoid to declare to you the whole plan of God. Be on guard for yourselves and for the flock. He says, I'm innocent of your blood. Now, Paul, all the way through this passage, by the way, and it would be really wonderful if you have a a Bible that's annotated. It has little uh, verses in there that will highlight for you places where Paul is drawing his pictures from. All the way through this passage, Paul is quoting the Old Testament. And here he's quoting Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33, where Paul, or where Ezekiel is actually uh, told by God, I'm going to set you as a watchman on the edge of the city. If you see danger coming, As a watchman, and you do not say anything, the people in the city will die, but you also, their blood will be on your head. If you're on the wall and you see danger coming and you shout out and they do nothing, their blood will be on their head, but you have saved yourself, he says. But if you're a watchman on the wall and you shout out that danger is coming and they make all of the adjustments, they'll be saved and you will be saved. Their blood won't be on their heads because they've made the adjustment, but also your heart will be uh, proud because you have done what is right. And he's quoting one little piece from a great big interaction that God had multiple times with Ezekiel, who was afraid to share the message. But God is telling that man, Ezekiel, you stand up and be bold and know that in the end, when they see me face to face, I'll help them understand. You just stay faithful had a clear conscience. He said, I did not shrink back. Literally, that phrase could be used, I I didn't cower. I didn't see what was about to happen and, and, and hide. I didn't go run into a closet and say, I'll let somebody else do it. I didn't know in my heart that I was supposed to tell them the truth and then do it in an unkind, unthoughtful, unprepared way. He says, I did it through ministering the word and telling what was profitable. I didn't shrink back. Paul trusted that the storm that he would face as a result of sharing the gospel wouldn't drive him away from God's grace, but it would drive him closer to his destination. On Facebook, 
there's a gal named Jackie Hooper. Actually just has uh, a, a website, a space for people to write in things they wish they would have said. In fact, that's the title for it on there is things that I wish I would have said. And it started because of a close family relation that had not said what they needed to say before somebody passed away. All kinds of people frequent that site. All kinds of people have added their thoughts to her page. She's a blogger, and she said some folks just need a catharsis to be able to look out at the world and say, I wish I would have said it. I didn't say it because I was too embarrassed. Things that were in me got in the way. But I need to be able to tell others, this is what I would have said to the one that I love. Paul says I have a clear conscience. I don't need to go to that page. What I have needed to say out of love, I have said, and you've heard it all. Clear conscience. But then, verse 28, he says, but also, I'm going to leave, and I want you to be on guard. Be on guard, he says, for yourselves. Notice who he points at first. Anytime you're pointing out at the flock, he said, there's three fingers pointing back at you. Start with you. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Men will rise up from your own number. Now get that phrase, that's super important. Remember, he has called the elders, he's called overseers, he's called the shepherds of the church together, and he says, some of you leaders, as soon as I leave, are going to bend in your affections, and you are going to start to hurt the flock. Men will rise up even from your own number, and do what? They will distort the truth. Why? To lure disciples into following them. Not following Jesus. Not worshiping the Lord, but following them. I don't know if you know this, but it is possible for Christian leaders to be focused more on themselves than on the Lord. There's only one amen there. Thank you for your respect. <laughs> it is a problem, people. It is a problem. Christian leaders are not above the flock. This is just a calling within the flock, all right? We're sheep as well. Different calling, okay? Same Lord. Different calling, but not different church. Not different level. Just called to vocalize what God's word says. We're all called to follow it, amen? We've got to do that, and there is no, there should be no lack of accountability. There shouldn't be lessened accountability for those that are leaders. And he says, be careful. Some of you, Paul looks around, and he says, you watch out. You guys need to look at each other in your lives collectively and see, are you saying these things so that people will look at you, or are you saying these things because you want them to fall in love with Jesus? I'm telling you right now, there is a glut of people who are twisting the truth in order to grow their churches rather than sharing the truth in order to see new life begin. Be on guard for wolves. Warren Wiersbe highlights five sins he sees in this passage, five sins of a leader. Carelessness in verse 31, shallowness, covetousness, 
laziness, and selfishness. He just goes through all of those verses, starting with 31 through 35, and in each of those sentences, uh, he unpacks the problems of a leader. If you'd like that list, you can uh, uh, email in this week, and I'll send that to you. But I would like you to focus on that word at the bottom. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you. Wolves use distress, times of distress, to confuse and cull out the sheep. I just want to give you the marks of a wolf. We see wolves in among sheep. Hard to pick him out, isn't it? But there he is. Look at that little dude. In there with the sheep. Similar fur. But uh, do you think those sheep feel pretty safe right now at that moment? You get a wolf in among the sheep and all of a sudden there becomes agitation and the shepherd is called upon to see the wolf that is in there that's trying to create a disturbance. If you run sheep, you can give them a heart attack. If you get them running, somebody's going to get called out from the herd, but it makes them easier to pick off. They use distress or times of distress to confuse and target the sheep. What are the marks of a wolf? Big ears. We're just going back to our nursery rhymes. Big ears, they're always hearing accusations. They're always bringing up sensational news. They're consistently gossiping about those people. Now, the those people they're talking about are not always from the opposite of a believer. Sometimes the those people they're bringing up are, you know, those other churches or those other believers. Be very careful in joining in, attacking a place where the Spirit of God is still indwelling those people. Amen? You're attacking family when you do that. Be super careful. Don't join in with the quick attack of, well, those people or those people or those people. You know what you need to be doing? You need to be praying for those people that they would honor Jesus and Jesus alone. That they would get their marching orders from the Word and not another place. But they have big ears. Secondly, they have padded paws. Marks of a wolf, they like to sneak in on those padded paws into key roles. They rarely want to follow the plan that leadership or somebody else might have in place in order for us to say, hey, do we believe the same things? Do we walk in the same direction? Uh, They don't want to be seen before they are seen. Consistently want to shake things up. Big ears, padded paws, but also sharp teeth. They're always biting at the, at the sheep. They're always sniping at leaders. They're always creating a ruckus. When you run into a wolf, you will run into somebody who is chronically irritated, stirred up, and pointing out the problems rather than, as Paul said, those things that are positive, those things that are profitable, those things that will bring healing. Sharp teeth rather than grace. They'll snap at any weakness. Big ears, padded paws, sharp teeth, but also they run in packs. Lone wolves are rare. Typically, you'll see wolves running in packs, and that means in Scripture, factions. Factions are their trade. Their goal is to pick you off, say, come join our group, but they do not want to shepherd you. You'd be a burden to them the moment that you get cold off. They just want to know that they picked somebody off from the place where they're frustrated. They want to have a show of power. They do not want a shepherd. 
Big ears, padded paws, sharp teeth, running in packs. Paul says, beware. Some will be wolves. If they're not yielded to the Spirit of God and if they will not yield to accountability, they should not lead. Be on guard. But the final letter that we have in Succor, somebody who brings help or brings aid or meets us in the midst of battle, is that they leave a righteous trail. He says, I commit you now to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. Do you know that the word of God and the spirit of God are enough for the child of God? Do you know that? There are some people in this church that came to Christ by just reading the Bible. They came here to find out more about him, but God's word led them all the way there. He says, I've not coveted anyone's silver or gold. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself. Oh, I, I skipped a verse here. And to give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Verse 35, in every way I've shown you it is necessary, this should be underlined in our Bibles, to help the weak by laboring like this and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, it's more blessed to give than receive. The righteous trail he left, he said, I want us to focus on our collective inheritance, not on entitlement. Every single one of us someday is going to receive an inheritance because we are part of the Father's family. Do you believe that? Every single one of us, he says, let's focus on our collective inheritance rather than our individual reward. And secondly, he said, one of the key marks that you're actually a leader, that you're a believer that's submitted to Christ is not that you are winning over the weak, he says, or winning over the worried. You're helping the weak. Help those that are weak. Folks, you can show weakness in many ways. You can show weakness because of your personal disposition. You can show weakness because of your experience in the world. It might be that financially or uh, because of different circumstances, you have ended up in a place where people can see your weakness on the outside. But for many of us, that weakness is displayed on the inside. It takes a relationship to root out that weakness, doesn't it? And he says, make it your mission to help those that are weak. Every single one of us will have a time where we've run too far, we've worked too hard, we have gotten exhausted in the work. If you're working alongside other believers, if you are active in ministry, there will be moments where your weaknesses are on display. And what does he say? Help the weak. Don't attack them. Bless the weak. Search out for those that are hurting and lift them up. Why? Because this is God's family, not the world. It's God's family. Let that be our attitude. He says, if you want to be a Christian leader, a good word for you is sucker. Bring the help. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would help us. Now to live out these things. That's the outline in the passage. But Father, you are asking us to be captivated now with living it out. We can see in our own hearts the way that you would have us go. Father, it's hard for us to be servants, to have that be at the top of the list. It is hard for us to say what we need to say at the right time in the right way. It is hard for us to get all of our drive from the Spirit, to have a clean conscience on a daily basis. 
Father, we don't like being on guard. We would rather join than lead. I do pray that you would help us to leave a righteous trail, not entitled, but focused on helping the weak. Father, help us to live out the call of this passage, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, we do have some questions that I think will be helpful for you uh, during the course of this week. If you would get together with some other friends, other believers, and just ask those questions, engage a little bit more with this passage, I think you'll be blessed. Thanks for being here this morning. You're dismissed. your breath.